Hey you, welcome to Taylor Shapers of Influence podcast, where we discuss the people, places, and things that, well, influence us. We'll dissect the integrated worlds of marketing, pop culture, and everything in between, from fashion to sports to entertainment. We're not only creating conversations, we're leading them too. Join us. Hello and welcome to another edition of Taylor Shapers of Influence Podcast. August 26, 2020 marks the 100th anniversary of the ratification of the 19th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, giving women the right to vote. All this month, we are celebrating with a special podcast series, exploring the meaning and impact of this historic law by speaking with a diverse group of women. In the U.S., Women's suffrage, or the legal right to vote, was hard fought over more than half a century. Some states allow women to vote in local or state elections, but women cannot vote in national elections until the ratification of the 19th Amendment on August 26, 1920. As we prepare to celebrate that anniversary, we are taking a closer look and asking the women around us about their journey to the ballot box and what the vote means to them. My name is Anna Rose Rupright, and I will be your host. This week, we will be speaking with Emma Giles. Emma works with one of our client partners and is a naturalized citizen, just like Genevieve and Carla from episode 1. A naturalized citizen is one who was not born a U.S. citizen, but chose to become one. Myra Herrera, my co-worker here at Taylor, will be joining in on the conversation this week as well. Hi Mara. Hi Emma. Welcome to Shapers of Influence. Where are you from, Emma? And how long have you been in the United States? I'm originally from Dublin, Ireland, and I have been living in the United States for uh, 14 years. I spent four years in Puerto Rico, which I know is a commonwealth, not uh, officially the US, um, and then 10 years in New York City. How long have you been a U.S. citizen and what made you decide to become a U.S. citizen? Great question. So I'm just over two years a U.S. citizen. I became naturalized in March 2018. And the reason that I wanted to do it was, well, I loved living in the United States. It's quite a a privilege to live there. And I had the opportunity to be a citizen. One of the biggest drivers I had too to do it was some security because if you've lived on visas in the United States, as I had done for many years for work, it can be uncertain at times, right? You're, you're connected to your work. And so once I got my green card, which I was on for, for five years, I always felt I wanted to be a US citizen because I wanted the security. And then the most important thing for me was I wanted the right to vote. Before you can become a citizen, you cannot vote. And I have only ever voted once in my life when I lived in Ireland when I was 18. And I think it's incredibly important to be able to vote and have a voice in the country that you're living in and that you've been paying taxes for, well, for me in my case, 14 years. Can you tell us about your journey to become a naturalized citizen? Sure. So for me, I was I was really privileged, I have to say. My work had sponsored me on my visas and on my green card. So the process for me from a logistics point of view was quite quite simple. 
Um, I was incredibly lucky because with the company lawyers, they were able to guide me through all the processes and help me through to, to secure the green card. When I wanted to become a citizen, I did that myself. And it's not a difficult process. You fill out a form, you pay the, 60, the 600 and something dollars, and then you apply for it. What was a little nerve wracking for me in the process was actually doing the exam that you need to do, the test on, I guess, what do you call it? Like uh, civics, I, I think is what they call it. So I was a little concerned about that. I had to study pretty hard because I hadn't grown up in the United States. And I do think it's an important part of the process and appreciate it. So I, I learned a lot about US history that I didn't know as much of, of politics which was really interesting. And so I had to study really hard uh, for that. And then I went in to do the test. You have to go into an office and do the test. And to be honest, it was very nerve wracking because you just, you don't know what questions they'll ask and you hope you can get them correct. And it's a very intimidating process. But in the end, I did, I, I got them all correct. If you ask me now what they were, I can't remember a lot of them. And then, you know, a, a couple of months after that, they tell you that you become a citizen. And then I think it took a few months before I was then able to go to the ceremony where I got the official documents and became officially a citizen. So that was the, the overall process for me. It's not maybe as difficult as other people that I've spoken to, um, who I know that for them, it was harder because of the their own personal situations. So I look at it as a, as a huge privilege. And I I'm incredibly grateful for the support that I had through my companies or my company at the time and, and friends who supported me, who helped me on my test and just overall, you know, were there for me as I went through this process on my own. How did you find out all of the information you needed for the test? I guess the government agency, they supply it. So they provide you a book and all of the information is in the book. And there are some mock tests in there as well. And you can also go online and do some mock tests to practice, which is something I used to do actually with my colleagues in work at lunchtime. They would test me to make sure that I, I was learning it and it was retaining in my head as well. Because it's 50, I think it's 50 questions in total and they can ask you eight, I think, out of, out of that. So you never know what they're going to ask. You were able to vote in your home country? I was able to vote when I lived in Ireland, but you cannot vote when you move out of the country. Do you have citizenship. Yes, I do. Could you tell us why you chose to go that route? Well, it was important for me to retain my Irish citizenship as well as American because having been born here in Ireland, being born in Ireland um, and my family being Irish, it's really important to me to keep my heritage and also, you know, for 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 different reasons for where I might want to live in the future or for travel as well as the heritage I, I felt it was really important that I kept my Irish citizenship as well as having the U.S. citizenship. How did it feel taking the oath of allegiance? It was very emotional, to be honest. It had been a long process, you know, living in New York for 10 years and then four years beforehand in Puerto Rico. So I felt very proud and it was, it was, it was really emotional. You know, there was a lot of happiness that goes with it and just, you know, overall pride that, you know, I am 
now an American citizen in a country that I live in, that I love, that I enjoy all the privilege that comes with living in the US. So it made me really, really happy. It was a wonderful experience for me and one that I shared with a really good friend of mine. Um, and she cried. I didn't, but she did. Did you register to vote at your oath ceremony or after? So I picked up the paper at my ceremony. It was the first thing I did. And then I posted it in straight afterwards. Is there anything you are looking forward to for your first time voting in a presidential election? Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to having my voice heard when it comes to voting for the president. I've lived in the U.S. for a number of years and seen many elections. And I, I just think every citizen should express their right to vote because for many, many years, many people were unable to vote for different reasons, whether that's people from women right through to different ethnicities, people of color, for whatever reason. Uh, they, they were not allowed to vote. And I think that it's everybody's right to vote. And I think it's really important that we do do it because it's our right to choose, you know, our president and to be heard. And so I think that, you know, that's what I'm really excited about is that I've been able to do that instead of watching it from the sidelines and, and hoping when it comes to an election. How do you feel about voting during the 100th anniversary of women's right to vote in the US. I'm I'm really excited about it. You know, as a person that hasn't been able to vote very often and as a woman who um, many women in the past have not had that right to vote. I'm incredibly proud and, and privileged and really excited that we have this hundred years of voting behind us. And it's really exciting because together by voting, we can make change and we can make things better for ourselves and for the children and the, the grandchildren and everybody coming from behind. So, you know, the population is 50 50 men and women and we all deserve the right to, to vote and make those choices so it's it's in a really exciting time for women to be able to to continue to have their voices heard how do you inform yourself about the candidates and the issues that's a great question so i i do a couple of things so i use media by reading different newspapers different websites to understand about the candidates and then talking to friends so i have some friends that are journalists i have some friends that are very interested in politics there's a lot that is very new to me and so by asking questions with them and luckily with the internet today you can find out a lot of information about about the candidates to understand what they stand for, what the issues are that they will be addressing and if they're important to me. So yeah, it's a number of different sources to get that information. If you could give anyone a piece of advice as they go through their own journey to become a utilized citizen, what would it be? Make sure that they register to vote as soon as they become a citizen. I think it's the most important thing that they can do. That's all of my questions for you, Emma. Thank you. Thank you. Those were great questions. Mara has some questions for you next. Go ahead, Mara. 
Can you elaborate maybe a little on some of the differences between your experience voting in Ireland and your experience voting here in the midterms? So when I voted in Ireland, I was 18 and incredibly young. So I didn't have as much experience, you know, really thinking about the candidates and the election, what was important to me, you know, around it. So, I mean, I think the first time I ever voted at 18 was really exciting to be able to do that, right? And to express what I, I wanted at that point. The difference now 20 something years later is um, there are so many issues that are important to me you know with experience you can look back on the world and see you know who you want to put your trust in around policy around how we live and so you know the difference is I'm definitely more thoughtful about it I definitely look at candidates more I will say up front I'm a registered Democrat and that was important again to me because of you know what the Democrat stand for what I stand for I you know I see a similarity there in you know how they approach politics what I'm looking for um, and what they're working towards so I wanted to make sure again that my voice was you know that I had that opportunity to vote and 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 to do it in the midterms and you know to be that it was important for me to be you know to be able to exercise my my, my political privilege i guess you know to to be able to vote that way so it's definitely more thoughtful and i think again as somebody that hasn't been able to vote for a long time i don't take it for granted i think complacency is really sad in this day and age particularly for women or people that think it doesn't matter if i vote we're celebrating a hundred years of women voting that's not a long time Time. So, you know, for so long, women, people of color were not able to, to vote, which was, you know, even more short term than women. And that's wrong. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's important that we all do a little bit of homework. And if we want to make our lives different, that we get out there and we make our voices heard. You said earlier that you use the media in your friends because there are a lot of things that are new to you. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about those things? Yeah, a lot's new to me in some ways. So, I mean, I think having lived here, I've heard a lot about politics. I didn't have it taught to me in school, I think as Americans would as they grow up. So understanding the difference between Congress and Senate, the president I get on, on, a, on a bigger level, the parties, I've had to read a lot or I, I watch a lot of news programs too, to kind of get a feel for, well, what is the difference between the Senate and the Congress? You know, what is it they do? Who are the people that are there? And, you know, when it comes to voting in New York, for example, if I'm voting for somebody for Congress, there tend to be a lot more options. And so, you know, you kind of do have to do your, your homework around some people and, you know, you might see some advertising and media, but that doesn't, you know, necessarily give you the full picture. So I've spent time kind of researching that. And again, I have friends that are actual political journalists. So they've been really helpful at times to give me a bit more of the cliff notes. And I think politics has just become more and more part of our lives. And it's definitely part of discussion, whether that's with friends, with colleagues, in the media, it's ever present. So it's definitely something that's much more at the forefront of what I think about these days and what's important to me. So I, I definitely spend more time in it. You said that one of the reasons that you wanted to become a U.S. citizen was for voting, but are there any other privileges that also come along with citizenship that were big in your mind? 
you know, the US is where I've, I live. And when you're not a citizen, you don't necessarily have all of the same rights as a citizen. So I just felt it was really just important for me to, to have the citizenship. And, and to be honest, one of the biggest drivers was my right to vote. I had watched many elections go by. I paid federal taxes. I paid state taxes. I paid city taxes for a very long time. And I'm unable to kind of have my right to influence where that where money goes or what decisions are made. And as a woman who, when I was younger, was brought up very independent, very equal, in everything that I've done, it's always been important to me to have those equal rights. And so, you know, overall, I would say it's really the security of having the citizenship and knowing they really can't kick me out. <laughs> so um, not planning on doing anything illegal, but you know, I, I just, I have that and, and potentially for family down the road, it was always important to me. And also I'm from a country where I can have a dual citizenship and having both of them was also really important to me. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing, Emma. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us to talk about women's right to vote in the U.S., Emma. Happy voting. Well, that's it for this episode of Taylor Shapers of Influence podcast miniseries, celebrating the 100th anniversary of the ratification of the 19th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, giving women the right to vote. Well, that wraps up this episode of Taylor Shapers of Influence. To learn more about what we do at Taylor, you can find us at taylorstrategy.com. Looking for more episodes of the podcast? Find us wherever you stream stuff. We're on iTunes and other major streaming platforms. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Taylor Strategy. Thanks for stopping by and tuning in. Peace.